Hello, everybody, and you are tuning in to Rodent Hour, usually hosted by Matt Attack, but today I am subbing in for him. My name is Ali Raskin, and I'm in the studio with Tim Race. Uh, you want to say hi, Tim? Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hey, so uh, Tim is part of the band Big Bliss, uh, who we're going to be talking to a lot today, but uh, right now you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, like I said, it's Rodent Hour, Mondays at 8 p.m. Check out both the show and the website on all the social medias uh, when you get a chance. So, uh, Tim, yes, why don't you tell us a little bit about your band? Uh, maybe like the name, you know, where does that come from? Is that a, because I know you're in the band with your brother. Right. And is that right. like a family thing or? Uh, well, the, the, um, this is my first band with uh, my brother, Corey, and uh, we had both been playing in bands for accumulative about 25 years i'd say um you know each over a decade in our own thing you know um and uh we both lived in new york and lived really close to each other and eventually eventually he kind of like talked me into writing some songs with him and just kind of like playing around to see what happened and we originally were going to start it as like a recording project and not we're going to be playing too many shows or anything or like taking that, taking the like live thing too seriously, just kind of like making records we liked. Um, and we wrote a couple songs and really dug them. And, uh, I remember we were like struggling to figure out a name for the project. And at the time I lived in Sunnyside and, uh, there's a stop on the seven train. I think it's 46th street, but it, it, it's secondary name is, is uh, bliss street. Mm. And, uh, the way it was like sort of printed on the, uh, on the, on the wall, as you get out of the train, it was, it was so prominent. The word mm. like bliss was so big and intense that, um, for some reason that stuck with me. And so like big bliss kind of like kind of came from that, I think. And, and it's funny because we, when we originally talked about it, it was just going to be a, a re- the, the name of like a record or a song or something. And we're like, wait, we don't have a band name yet. We shouldn't be naming the, the uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. there, there's like a hierarchy to these things. Got it. And, uh, yeah. and so we just kind of stuck on that. Um, I, it, it's funny. We, I, I feel like a lot of times people want to know if like the, if, if like the sort of connotation of the word bliss, like is important to, the music itself and yeah. like and and i'm not so sure it is i think it's more like we, we we liked how it sounded and we liked the sort of like the vibe it gave off for like a band that's doing like a darker post-punk thing you know um but it wasn't about like you know i just answered a question recently that was like what aspect of euphoria are you exploring <laughs> in your music and i'm like that's but that's not what yeah. we're doing you know what we're doing I thought I, when i was listening to your music preparing i i thought it was slightly ironic like kind of bliss in a like what does that even mean or sure you know sure and i mean i think there's like you know we're we're not we're not trying to like bog down things with being you know like a super dark super self-serious post-punk band all the time well self-serious i don't know about (laughs) that but we're we're pretty serious about about things but um about the music yeah but uh you know I, i think it's important to like have moments of like release and levity and uh and you know hooks that are 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 there to sort of like you know lighten the proceedings a little bit so that like when things do get dark it offers like a nice contrast and you know that's really important to us is like is building that in so i guess if if you want to like take the band name and and tie it to that aspect of the songwriting it's important but you know other than that it wasn't like you you wrote the songs and then came up with a name that you thought right no 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 the uh the band name existed when we had maybe like 2.5 songs so you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) um 
if if you're, if it's okay, I'd like to go back. You said you're sure. 25 years apart. What was it? Um, did you guys just have different styles of music that you were listening to and playing? Like, when? Why wasn't it at a certain age? You're like, hey, wait, we both are really good musicians. Why don't we write together? Well, yeah, I mean, I hope so. But um, we, uh, well, it wasn't 25 years apart. The way that I like come up with that number is that we'd both been playing each in bands for 10 plus years, you know, 12, 13 years each. So together, that's, you know, that's a quarter century of us brothers playing in other bands that we're taking very seriously without ever having played together. Right. You know, um, but I, the reason for that, and, you know, I, it's, it's a bit personal, but the, like, the reason for that is that, you know, our parents split mm-hmm. uh, pretty early on when I was like 10 or 11. And I went with my dad to Pittsburgh and, uh, and Corey stayed in Kent, Ohio and played in a bunch of great bands like, uh, like Party Helicopters, Gold Circle, um, the Walkies, which is a great band from Akron. Um, and I was doing my own thing and I was like, you know, starting bands while I was in college and I moved to Columbus and playing in bands there. Um, so it was really just kind of like a distance thing, I mm-hmm. think, that, that made that happen. But Corey had a huge influence on me. Um, musically speaking it was he, he was a huge part of my like sort of musical education you know yeah. uh he was my older brother and like yeah, you know older brothers do that <laughs> yeah and i was like you know when i was you know 9 10 11 maybe even a little older i was listening to like the worst garbage you know like the worst radio rock you know like i like i, I went to creed concerts with my family and stuff and and at the time that was like to me that was like sort of the like yeah, height of the ultimate epic rock and roll and i didn't i didn't really get the christian thing at the time and like you know I'm, I'm amazed that that never really stuck with me but um uh but you know he like sort of like slowly coaxed me out of that you know like he would put on like modest mouse or he would put on shutter to think was real big in our house um when we were like playing n64 you know yeah. <laughs> and um uh, and that was cool and, and i think that like sort of like slowly developed into me being more interested in the like sort of like what I thought was this like weirdo subculture yeah only to realize that those bands are like you know those bands are massive on their own but they're like but they're doing something that is like artistically rich you know Mm -hmm. and uh and really cool and then from there um I when I was in college I like came back home and I I like stole a bunch of music from him (laughs) um yeah yeah stole a lot of music from him but uh you know, I returned it, was like, it a bunch of years later. When yeah, we yeah, yeah. Together. Yeah, and like I remember his friend uh, Jesse. Like, you know, I was I was in school for audio, and he like nerded out to me about uh, like Eno's ambient works, which ended up being really important to me, and like how they like technically set that up, and like how you can create music yeah. and like something that resembles rock music, um, but in this like sort of new form, and it's not all about like you know big masculine guitars and big epic choruses all the time like there's a lot more nuance available and i think like that education was really important to me and sort of like guided me into what became what i wanted to do mm-hmm. which was you know like play in indie rock bands yeah. and like play in post-punk bands you know it's uh, really interesting that you talked about uh like the music production because you guys have a very distinct sound and yeah. like is that was that something that when you originally started you had that in mind or over time that developed um I mean, we definitely had a distinct sort of a sound that we were going for from like a writing perspective Uh, in terms of like the studio stuff. um, I think we're still figuring that out, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But when we started the band, uh, our our original like mission statement was that that I wanted to basically mock as closely as I could just to give myself a like a solid roadmap like mop is or excuse me uh, to mock as closely as i could uh new order ceremony mm. which i in my opinion is 
in my opinion, is the best <laughs> rock song ever, you know? Um, and, uh, and so, you know, we were going after that, that like leading bass thing. Yeah. Um, you know, what we call the like helicopter beat, which is like 16th notes on the hi hat and, you know, um, kind of like this mix between like dance and punk and melancholy. And like that was like, that was the original idea. So we wrote a bunch of our like first songs off of that like sort of mood. And, um, the production kind of came later. I produced our first EP, um, at the studio I work for, uh, called Thump in, in, uh, in Greenpoint. And it, it was, it was a tough experience. I mean, producing your own thing is, is really intense, you know, because yeah. it's like you could just work on it forever and ever. Forever and just keep, especially because it's so close to you. You're yeah. in it, you know? Yeah, man. Um, and luckily we had, uh, Jeff Burner, uh, who produced this, this LP approached us last year to like, you know, to, uh, to start talking about making a record. And, uh, he had some like really clear sounds in mind. And I, and I feel like, you know, he at least mostly heard what we were going for. Cause I think it's interesting when you like see a band live and you, you haven't worked with them before and you're like not really sure what they're going for in the studio, but he's kind of like translating what he sees live into yeah. what he thinks will work in the studio. And I think those like, I think what we saw and what we ended up with like are pretty closely, you know, aligned. Nice. Yeah um having that outside uh someone outside of your own head yeah man yeah i mean having somebody just to like turn the knobs and to like know that the like the kick drum isn't peaking or something like when you're trying to like get a takedown is really important you know um but the production became really important for this lp for sure it was it was a huge aspect of like getting it done and like getting it right you know yeah. All right. Well, uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Rodent Hour, uh, usually hosted by Matt Attack. Today, I am hosting. My name is Ellie Raskin, and I'm in the studio with uh, Tim Race of Big Bliss talking about um, his music, the band. Um, the band has some exciting news. This Friday, uh, their debut LP is coming out called At Middle Distance, uh, followed up by a debut um, <clears throat> show at Alphaville, October 20th at 8 p.m., 140 Wilson Avenue in Brooklyn. There's going to be a bunch of other performers there as well. Uh, we'll be playing some music uh, by the Big Bliss and them as well. And we opened the show with Contact uh, by Big Bliss, which just came out in January. So uh, let's listen to another song, if that's okay with you. And uh, how about Constance, which is uh, sure. the lead single off the new uh, LP coming out? This Friday.
Welcome back to the Roden Hour. We are on Radio Free Brooklyn, and I'm in the studio with uh, Big Bliss uh, member Tim Race. Uh, just now, we listened to Constance, the lead single off their new album, which is coming out on Friday, called "At Middle Distance," um, and "Psycho" by Grim Streakers, who are going to be performing with them at their album at Big Bliss's album release party. Um, and show at Alphaville this Saturday at 8 p.m. Tickets are $10, so go get tickets, go see them, and have an awesome time. Um, before we continue, uh, there are a few things I got to say about uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. So Radio Free Brooklyn is a nonprofit. That means we don't, you know, we don't charge people. Uh, everyone here is working for free, and we just want to bring you the best music, the best interviews, the best uh, shows. So, uh, if you want to help out, go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. Um, over there, you'll be directed to everything you can do to help out. All monetary contributions are tax deductible. Um, as well, Radio Free Brooklyn is proud to announce we have a after school program for local teenagers. It's going to start in 2019 to help them learn media literacy, uh, by giving them the chance to make media hands on guided by local professionals. If you're interested in participating or donating to this program, please go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash afterschool. And like I just said, all donations are tax deductible as we are 501c3. So um, please help out um, to keep this going. Um, If you are on the run and you're like, hey, how am I going to listen to this show? I have to drive to work that time or I get to work and I can only have my phone on me. Well, you could take Radio Free Brooklyn with you. Uh, We have an iOS and Android app, so you don't have to choose. Both We got both of you covered, so head to the App Store, Google Play Store, um, or RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone or RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android. Um, And lastly... We have a weekly newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to that for really cool news about everything going on uh, musically and uh, other assorted things going on in Brooklyn um, to be involved, to be included, and to find out cool Radio Free Brooklyn programming and events that are coming up. To sign up, head to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Once again, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, um, and this is Roden Hour. So, Tim, yes. this Saturday, you have a pretty exciting show going on. Sure. Um, why don't you, um, after that as well, you have a bunch of cities you're touring. So, um, what's yeah. that like? What's that like? You know, you just, uh, you know, you're right now you have a few days where you're kind of building up your energy and then you're going for the next few months pretty hard. Sure. Uh, what's that feeling? You know, because on top of that, you have your first full-length album coming out right sure so what are you what's going on in your head what are you doing to prepare uh, making sure that you stay like you know mentally healthy physically healthy and everything like that through it all mentally healthy is the key yeah um, (laughs) overlooked um, important. yeah often overlooked um i mean it's pretty intense man i you know we you make a thing six seven months ago right Mm -hmm. and and uh you work really hard on it and then there's this sort of like gap there's this sort of you know um there's sort of like months of silence so like for us it was it was the entire summer of just being like okay we've delivered the record we had the art done you know yeah. everything's like ready to go um and then like it's in the label's hands to like figure out the rest of it like you know getting it out to people getting people interested in it etc um 
And that like that gap leaves a lot of time for you to go back to it and second guess it, right? And that and and, and I think that's really dangerous. Like I I don't know which approach would be better to just like finish a thing and put it up that yeah. day, or to like you know, or to do it the way we did it. Um. Uh, but what that what ends up happening, at least for us, we write songs really quickly, or like we're we're like constantly trying to write songs. Um. And so, like, we're working on, like, you know, new material now, and we've been playing, you know, these songs, which we, we have a lot of affection for, and, like, you know, right. we care about these songs, but, um, you know, we've been playing them for a long time, and uh, and so, like, you, you have to, like, you spend all this time, like, thinking about your new material or thinking about what you're going to do next, but then when it gets close to, like, release time, you have to sort of, like, step back and, and be like, wait, we have, to, we have to actually, like, put this thing out first, yeah. you know? We have to put this thing out that we made forever ago, you know? Um, so push push projects you're working on now a little bit to the side, right? And go back to the original core, right? That six months ago you finished, right? Right, which is you know it, it's it's definitely like it, it's uh, it's complicated. Um, and then we're gonna tour on it, and and I we really like touring. Um, we're lucky to be able to do it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know like we have a van and stuff, and that's that's amazing. It makes it really easy. Um. I'm I'm stoked to get back out there. I'm stoked to like tour again to like play every day. Um, I, I think that like it makes you a better band. It's really motivating. Um, when things are easy like that, when it's like easy to just like go up and like deliver a set or like, you know, play a show, whatever it is, um, to not have to like practice for it, you know, several days ahead of time and, and, and do all this prep work to just be like, no, we know these songs. We know how to play them. Um, and, uh, and we know that we're going to be able to do it, you know, as well as we did the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a, that's a really nice that's a really nice feeling because then it can be sort of like put aside, and you can focus on the newer stuff. You can focus on what you want to do next mm-hmm. because you know that you can you can just like go back and play those songs. But because we haven't been touring, uh, we've just been like getting ready to release the record. We're you know we're like working on making sure we're like delivering that stuff right. You yeah. Know? Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but it does because um, it just yeah. It involves, it's just, it's a weird experience uh, that involves kind of because with creativity, you're balancing, you know, what you want to always be doing, which is just making things up and remembering that you're going to have fans who haven't seen you perform this live. So for them, it's a new experience. Sure. Um, Well, yeah. And and I think it's like, um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know about fans, but it's like, you know, like our our friends, at least, Um, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, it's about like where the motivation's at, you know? Um, and and I think like what we've always really liked about being in a band is the, is the writing aspect. Mm -hmm. I think that that's always been like really crucial to us. Um, and we, we write all our songs sort of together, like at least instrumentally. And I usually take it back and like, you know, work on the lyrics, work on the phrasing, et cetera. And then we kind of, you know, bring it back in and, and, uh, touch it up. Uh, so like when we come to practice, sometimes we come with, with like nothing on the docket and mm. we just kind of, you know, like who's got a riff tonight or like, yeah. or, you know, we'll be setting up and Wallace will be like, she'll just be like, you know, messing around on her bass and there will be like some se- sequence of notes she hits that like kind of catches one of our ears or whatever it is. And like, that's, that's how we write. So it's, it's super spontaneous. So we never really like, there's not like a game plan, you know, like, um, it's not like we're going to come in and write this song and we're going to be finished by, you know, 11 yeah. o'clock with this song <laughs> yeah. structured through the third chorus or whatever it is, you know, 
wish um, like that. <laughs> but because of that, because there's not like a sort of list and there's not things that you can like check boxes off on, you're mm-hmm. you're constantly aware of all these like sort of like floating points, you know? Yeah. So it's like, oh, we're putting out a record. Uh, we're going to tour. We're going to be playing this batch of songs, but we're also working on this batch of songs. And like, you know, two of those songs are almost finished and the other two need this, you know, this attention, et cetera. But, oh, there was that other riff that we really mm-hmm. liked. It's very like, you know, uh, it, it's, it's super hard for us to like focus and like yeah. get it together. You know, um, that term floating points really stuck out. Cause sure. it's a good point. Creativity is like, you have a bunch of ideas and you have to pick the ones that are, you know, the right ones. Right. To make the music you want. Totally. And I mean, dude, I, out of, out of the, you know, we've written a lot of songs at this point and, you know, some of them we just, some of them I go back to and I'm like, what were we thinking? You know, <laughs> uh, but that's all right. You know, yeah. like you, you have to do that. Right. Um, it, it's, it's great to like have that much, have that much like material to sort of like sift through and be like, no, this is the one I really like because of this. And you can feel yeah. confident about that and like move forward with it. You yeah. Know? And be able to look at it. Well, if you have a physical stack or digitally be like, wow, we have a whole library of stuff that we've created. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, yeah. man. Totally. Do you find, um, because um, you've been performing in New York for a long time, do you mm-hmm. find um, that traveling and touring create or ignites creativity or insp- like inspires new songs because you're in new places, new realities, new friends? That's a, that's a good question. I'm sure it does. I don't know if I've like, if I can like specifically take stock and say like, yes, you know, I'm certain that this has happened because we were right. on tour or whatever. Excuse me. Um, okay. Um, but I, one of the attractive things about touring is that you aren't in New York city anymore right. and, and being a band in New York city is it's, it's just, it couldn't be more different than being a band in other parts of the country. And, you know, we're from the Midwest where things are a lot different, you know, um, you want to explain a little bit like what for someone who isn't performing regularly, what, how sure. does that look? Sure. Uh, so I, the funny thing about New York, I mean, it's kind of what you expect. Like, you know, uh, musicians, artists, bands are, seem to be more serious about it here. Uh, the DIY community is, is interesting because there's not many spaces for it to exist like it does in, in other places in the country, you know? Um, so I think what that, what it becomes is that it's like bands here often have a well cultivated image, have like a well sort of like thought out, you know, uh, sort of like mode that they exist in. You're forced to be a certain level of professionalism. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's like, that's hugely important, especially in such a like massive pool of so many talented people, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if, if you're like really trying to like do it right. Uh, but in the Midwest, you know, in like say Kent or Akron, Ohio, you know, there's maybe five or six indie rock bands you know, like that are actually like out playing on a regular basis. And there's, but there's also like 10 basements that are available for them to play in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, uh, that sort of like informs the like attitude towards being a musician in a much different way. You know, it's not about like, it's not about like shit. How are we going to get 15 people out to this show so that we can pay the door Mm -hmm. or whatever? You know, it's more about like, this is the party that our friends would be at anyway. And we happen to be playing our rock right. music there, you know? Right. Um, that doesn't mean that, that it's like the music itself or the like creative aspect is like taken any less seriously. It's right. more about the, like that, like sort of like promotional step beyond that, that, yeah. that is, is different. Um, 
So when you show up to a city and, uh, I, I feel a lot of like, I, I feel a lot of relief when I show up to like a town in, 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 uh, you know, the Midwest or something like in, uh, in Indiana or whatever it is. Um, because the, the pressure is sort of off, you know, it's not, it's not about how many people you're going to get through the door. It's not about like making sure you pay the sound person or whatever. A lot of times my, my favorite bar in Columbus, Ohio, the, uh, care bar, which is now closed. RIP really sad that that place closed, but you know, they, they always had free shows every night of the week and they would pay their bands off the bar. You know, they had like $3 pictures of PBR or whatever. <laughs> and like, and you know, kids would come out to shows because yeah. of that. Cause it was easy for them, you know? Um, but it's, it's way different being like an establishment here and mm-hmm. hosting bands and like the, the overhead is just, you know, astronomical. And, and so, so that like, I feel like that, like the way the money plays into it really really changes the attitude but it i I feel like the pressure is off when we play other places and that kind of way in a good way you're allowed to just go back to the pure music yeah totally trying to trying to like promote yourself you're just you just get to play right right which you know i i don't know which is better you know like Mm -hmm. i I don't know which is better i don't know if like a well-cultivated like image a well-cultivated message is is the way to go or if it's if it, if like you said it's all about like you know what you're playing it doesn't matter what you're wearing etc you yeah. know um those are all things that like bands think about all the time yeah um i know a lot of bands that that are like really good at both aspects i know some bands that are good at one you know um mm-hmm. and i think like we're we're still trying to figure that out for ourselves and like what fits us best yeah. you know but i do find like when we're outside of new york we feel a lot less pressure it, it feels less urgent uh to like prove you're a success mm-hmm. or to prove that people should give a shit. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Cause here the competition is so real is so visceral. Yeah. You know, the band going up after you is competing for the same time slot. And, right. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also like, these are our friends and it's a right. community and they're like, you know, like they're bands that I look up to and bands mm-hmm. that I admire and that, you know, um, so it's it's like it's a complicated mess, you know, because like you want you want your thing to do well. The idea is that, you know, is that like we do this thing we love and we get to just like do it on a more regular basis, the better it goes. Right. Yeah. Um, so, of course, everybody wants their stuff to, to be heard, you know, um, but we're also like in a community of our friends and people that we care about and uh, musicians that we look up to a lot of a lot of whom nobody's heard, you know. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's a bit of a tangent, but no, you know, it, um, it all it all just goes into the same thing of you have so many talented musicians here in New York, and uh, they just you know there's not enough ears necessarily to hear right. all of them. It doesn't mean they're not talented, but if you can, no, of course if not. you're making it here, that means you know you have something to say and you can share it. Yeah, totally, totally. I'm not sure if it really means. I don't know if it means anything on it. Like, I don't, mm. I don't know if there's like a thing you can take from it. Like if a band, like, like you said, makes it That's fair. right. Like, yeah. I don't know if there's like an extra something to mm-hmm. it. I think there's like a lot of circumstances that play into it. And, um, I think like the best you can do is, is just try to like, try to make the, the make something you're proud of, yeah. you know, make something you're proud of and make like, keep doing it. You know, um, things will like get better if that's what you want, you know? Um, yeah. But you also like, you know, you're in a really, uh, this is like a really special time to be 
making music because you can make such a sophisticated record in your bedroom. You can make, you know, like you don't, have, it's not the, the rat race of like finding a label that's going to pay for your record, et cetera, like is, yeah. is a lot less important. So mm-hmm. I think like removing all that stuff um, is encouraging to people that, that are sort of like just doing it because they really care about like what yeah. they're, what they're writing and what they're trying to say, you know? Yeah. If uh, you're just tuning in, my name is Ellie Raskin standing in for Mad Attack. On the Roden Hour, I'm talking to Tim Race, um, who is the lead vocal singer yeah. and uh, guitarist for the band Big Bliss. Um, <clears throat> they have uh, quite a lot of music you can listen to. In uh, fall of 2016, they came up with their debut EP, uh, Keep Near, uh, followed by in May 2017, Fortune, a single. January, they came out with a single that we played at the top of the show. Um, and in a few days, this Friday, they are releasing their debut LP at Middle Distance, followed by a show at Alphaville 140 Wilson Avenue in Brooklyn. Uh, that's 8 p.m. this Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a great show with them, Grimstreaker, Flexi, uh, Gustav, and DJ Eaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that is just $10 for all that. So definitely check that out. Um, and... Uh, we are going to play another song of theirs. It's the third song on their uh, upcoming uh, LP called Surface. Um, and it's one of the three songs you get as an instant download if you pre-order their CD. So uh, definitely check that out. They also have a vinyl version that comes with a band poster. So um, put your headphones on because we're about to play a pretty badass song. <laughs>
ain't trying to blow your cover But how'd you pull me under? You can make a dead man laugh When we're out and drinking Start to lose your diction Love it when you talk like that Have you no idea? Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Rodent Hour with Ellie Raskin standing in for Mad Attack. And I'm joined in the studio by Tim Race, uh, lead singer and guitarist of the band Big Bliss. Um, so, Tim, why don't you tell me a little bit about, uh, we touched on this earlier in the interview, but um, 
before actually we get to this, I would want to say one last time. Um, their big news is this Friday they're coming out with their debut LP with a uh, it's, it's called At Middle Distance, followed by a show at Alphaville um, at 8 p.m. So with that in mind, can you walk me through a little bit your creative process? Because each band has their own uh, you know process and journey they go through to get like a finished song. So how does a song start? How does a big bliss uh, song usually start? Sure. It um like we we write as a band we usually write the like the sort of like instrumentals of a song and the structure together um a lot of times it'll start with like with uh what we like to you know point out is like is like for example we're, we're setting up and like you know we're still waiting for like Corey to set up his drums or something and Wallace is sitting there with her bass you know ready to go and she's just like plunking away at some notes and like yeah it's a certain sequence that is really nice. And, and I, I usually, I usually do something like, Whoa, what, you know, what was that? Uh, and as soon as we're ready, we'll kind of like try to build a chord progression around it and see if it turns into anything. Um, I feel like that was, I feel like that's only started happening in the last like year and a half to where it's like, everyone can sort of bring in something and it's like just, you know, one loose riff on one instrument and we can kind of see how it's going to work with the sound we're going for. Uh, prior to that, it was kind of like, it was kind of like we had to like, it, it would be, it would be a lot more direction for me to sort of mm. like get things together, you know? And that um, was when you were still figuring out your sound. Yeah, thing. totally, totally. But I think like everybody knows now, like kind of like what we want to go for and like, you know, um, and, and that, that's great. It makes it, it makes it really easy to like, to find new stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, like I was saying, it's like, it's almost like overwhelming how much stuff there is to sort of pull from sometimes, you know? Um, but we do that and then I'll be like singing with it to like sort of develop the vocal melody or like help us figure out how the structure is going to work with the vocal melody. And, um, a lot of times it's complete gibberish that I'm singing over over the PA in the practice oh. room, which is great because you can't hear it. But like <laughs> there, there there have been times where like the phone's been like too close to the PA, and you can like totally hear what I'm yeah. what I'm saying, and it's just unlistenable and ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, uh, but it, it at least like gives me a sense of like where syllables syllables mm-hmm. are gonna land and uh, the sort of like mood of the song, or like sometimes the mood will like dictate a certain phrase that will then turn into you know the sort of like message behind the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say we're like a our songs definitely have uh, some meaning, you know, um, when we're like when we're writing them, I'm trying to like apply experiences from my life or like anxieties yeah. that I'm feeling, whatever it is, uh, because I feel like that's important to be at least be like honest in your songs, you know, um, yeah. and uh, to like retain some sort of like personal connection. Um, uh, but it's not all about like the message, you know, yeah. like like we're not trying to we're, we're not like you know it's it's not like on a marquee like big bliss is saying this you know or like big bliss is yeah. like going for like this message well, your but music like, is you very know. evocative like it sure each song and i thought this was really cool a lot of almost every song when i listened to it made me feel a little bit different cool. and the words i noticed were kind of away from the you know weren't in the front the music was yeah. kind of like in a background instrument i mean the lyrics i'm sorry were almost a background sure. instrument to like the louder, let's say the bass or whatever instrument was being 
whoever was like in charge. Yeah. 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 Totally. That's great, man. I mean, that's kind of like what we're going for, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think like, I think all of those elements are really important to dictating the mood. Um, they're not really like vehicles to sort of just set up harmony against the vocal melody. You know, um, a lot of times the song is built around the harmony between the bass and the guitar and the chords that we're building, you know, uh, between the two of us. And that's kind of like where the hooks are, you know? Um, I think the like the vocals are important to like sort of ground you, you know, they're important to like sort of give it this, like this, uh, human appeal, you know, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're not just listening to somebody with like, you know, a well-tuned guitar and like <laughs> cool sounding pedals or yeah. whatever, you know, like there's still like, you know, there's still human beings playing this, this song, you and know, these songs fall to these humans. Yeah. And it's, you know, and there's like, there, there's a like sort of like clear emotional goal or like, like, uh, you know, there, there's like sort of a clear, um, I guess mood we're trying to land on, you know, um, I think a lot of it is about that. I think the, the whole package is where it is, where it's most important to us, you know, as um, one, one final everything put together. And yeah, I guess vocals as part of that is important for that. Final, sure. For that final product. So you record it on like your phone then, and then you go back and write the lyrics on your own. Yeah. Right? Often I'll write the lyrics after we've recorded the song. Oh, like, you know, full, like, like fully. Yeah. Recorded. Yeah. Like I'll do the scratch in the vocals, wow. or the scratch vocals in the studio with, mm-hmm. with the gibberish in, intact, you know, yeah. um, which is horrendously embarrassing when the like engineer pushes <laughs> up the, like, you know, pushes up the scratch vocal. Yeah. Um, but then I take it back and I, and I, I, I do my best to, uh, apply things that are important to me to the music because the music is so important to me yeah. to begin with that. I think, I, I think it would do it a disservice if I was like, sort of to gloss over that aspect because so many people do listen for lyrics. So many people do Mm -hmm. listen for what you're actually saying to them, you know? Um, And, uh, and I I think we like landed on a nice balance. Um, At least I hope so. You know, we gave a lot of thought to them and like, you know, significant moments in my life are dealt with in this record, you know, Um, like Corey and I lost our uncle last year uh, and we found out, well we didn't find out but we sort of like found out the extent to which he was suffering from alcoholism and all the, all these like interesting things about his life that we didn't know yeah um and that that was deeply affecting to me and to Corey. and i think like it was important for us to like take that and like put it into the music but not in a way that it's like that it's like i can't believe someone we loved has died yeah, right it's not <laughs> you a know story necessarily right right it's more to like understand like what it's like to to like lose somebody that that you love that you may not have really known you know um and and to like learn about them in in this like you know learn about them in the past tense is really weird wow right you know interesting that's yeah that's a crazy idea you know so it's like things like that it's 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 really important to me that the that the like emotional aspects of the songs are communicated without them getting bogged down in like histrionics or like mm-hmm. oversimpli- over oversimplifying the sort of like nuance of like, yeah. you know, an individual's experience, you know? Um, like there's two, there's two breakup songs on this record, which is funny because I never thought I would write breakup <laughs> songs, but you, you wouldn't really know it listening yeah. to the record, but that's what they're about, you know? Um, that's really cool being able to play that balance. Yeah. Well, we're, I mean, I hope, I hope that's what we're going for at least. Right. I'll, I'll say that. But, um, but it's like, you know, one of them is actually, uh, it, it's sort of about the, like, the, the, uh, relief that 
myself and my my partner from a few years ago experienced when we finally did break things off mm-hmm. because we realized like it just wasn't right you know yeah. like we just just weren't right for each other yeah and you can't even point a finger and be like you did this or you did that it just doesn't things just right work. right and and you know you can like you know that it of course like a breakup of a long-term relationship is going to be a, a painful experience but um i think what i took away from that was the sort of like relief that both of us felt and like you know but it was like, oh, no, this is right for us. This is like right for our life. You know, it's not about like, I can't believe this difficult thing is happening. I can't believe we have to move out of this apartment or whatever. Who's going to take the cat? That kind of like, you know, those like <laughs> visceral, painful yeah. moments. Um, it's sort of about the like lasting effect of it's like, no, it, it, it's OK that, you know, we tried that right. and that it didn't work out and that we each went our separate ways and, you know, are hopefully living our lives, you know. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting thought that I don't think a lot of people necessarily especially with pop music and stuff like that oversimplifying it don't get to that side very often. right well and and i realized that like the risk there is that the risk there when it's not delivered in this in this like really neat package or like or or sort of like you know whacking you over the head with it Mm -hmm. uh that the the message in in quotes might get lost right you know and and i'm I, i think i'm comfortable with that i think i'm like i'm comfortable with with it being something that if somebody really pays attention to it, it, you know, they, they understand. Um, but as long as the, like the whole package is delivering the, yeah. like what those moments made us feel, you know, uh, I, I think that's, I think we've sort of like succeeded in what we're trying to do, yeah. you know? Well, thank you, Tim, for coming into the studio. Thanks for uh, having me, man. Yeah. Ta- uh, talking to me about, uh, at middle distance and the band big bliss, uh, once again, uh, that was Tim Race, uh, one of three members of the band Big Bliss, along with Corey Race and Wallace May. Mm-hmm. Um, they are releasing their debut <clears throat> EP. I'm um, sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're releasing their debut LP this Friday, um, and that is going to be followed by a show along with Grim Streaker, Flexi, and Gustav, um, and DJ Eaters at Alphaville. That's 140 Wilson Avenue in Brooklyn. Uh, it's 8 p.m. this Saturday, uh, just $10. So definitely get a ticket. Go see them. Go uh, enjoy their music that you just got to hear sneak peek behind uh, the music. Um, this is Rodent Hour on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Ellie Raskin standing in for Mad Attack, and we are going to uh, let you go with a bit of their fourth song on their uh, EP called Duplicate. Thank you, Tim, once again. Thanks, man.